The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. We are looking at attracting fire. Attracting fire. Everyone say attracting fire. First Kings 18, 20 to 48. First Kings 18. It's a story of Israel. The nation had gone to join itself with Baal, thanks to the weakness of Ahab as the king and the and the witchcraft of Jezebel, his, his wife. Na- the nation of Israel that was worshipping the true and living God began to worship Baal. And Baal is known as, as the god of, of, of rain and agricultural fertility. Baal is, is worshipped. The people that worship Baal depend on Baal sending rain and making sure that the nation is, is, is preserved and is, and, is, and is fruitful. So, Elijah, the man of God, had a confrontation with the king. I pray in the name of Jesus that God will raise men of God that will speak truth to power in Nigeria. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. And said to Ahab, There will be no rain in this land except at my word. So, I mean, how would they have think? Baal will give us rain. Elijah, Elijah said, there will be no rain. So, he went to the heart of the, of, the, of the supply of the God that they are worshipping and said, I'm going to show you that I'm going to withdraw the rain. And Baal will not be able to supply it. Praise the name of the Lord. So, he withdrew the rain. And there was a lot of economic crisis in Israel to the point that the king himself had to go and look for grass for his horses to eat. It was that bad. In fact, he, he had a, um, a trusted advisor called Obadiah and he, he, he said to Obadiah, you know what, you, you go to this side. Let, I'm going to look for grass. Let me go to this side and look for grass. Then, then whoever finds the grass first will let the other, other know. And Obadiah bumped into Elijah. Now, they've been looking for Elijah for about three and a half years. Because after he withdrew the rain, the king says, I'm going to kill him. So he, he, he ran away. Now, so Badiah bumped into Elijah and, and Elijah said to him, God has told me to appear to your master. Go and tell him that I'm here. Badiah said, what is my offense? <laughs> you, I'm going to tell the king that you are here, but you, have, you will disappear. He says, there's no nation under 
the heaven that we have not looked for you. In fact, the king made every king swear that you are not in their country. Then you will tell me that I should go and tell him you are here. Then we will come here and we will find you. He says, but Oga, look, I have kept 200 prophets. I'm a good guy. Don't kill me like this. And he began to reel out his resume to Elijah. That I'm a good guy. I'll be protecting them. And the story picks up from verse 20. So Ahab summoned all the people after Elijah had met with him. And, you know, they had that face of, and Elijah said, he says, you are the one that troubles Israel. Elijah says, your father and your mother's house are troubles Israel. He was talking to the king. <laughs> so he says, okay, you know what? Today we are going to show you who is God. We are going to prove who God is. If God, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. I'm praying that God will raise people that will know him in this nation and be able to prove him in this nation. In the mighty name of Jesus. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver? Wobbling between two options. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Everyone said completely silent. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, which is not accurate, but Baal had 400, which was also true because he was the only one that came out. Now, Bring two bulls. The prophet of Baal may choose whichever one <laughs> they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> There's about to be drama. We want to see. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first. For there are many of you Choose one, bull, one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God but do not set fire to the wood. We are watching you. So they prepared one of the bulls, placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began to mock them. Uh -uh. You will have to shout louder. He scoffed. <laughs> For surely he's, he's a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming. Or he's gone to wee-wee. He's relieving himself. He's doing number two. 
Or maybe he's away on a trip, he's on a, he's on a vacation. Or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be wakened. So they say it's true, he may be sleeping. You know. So they shouted louder. <laughs> and followed the normal custom. They cut themselves with knives and swords until blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until it was time for the evening sacrifice. But still, there was no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called the people, come over here. They all crowded him as they repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, Fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same again. And when they had finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said. And the water ran around the altar, even filled the trench. At the usual time of eve for evening, for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven. And, <laughs> and, comes and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust. And it even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down to the ground and cried out, The Lord is God. Yes, the Lord is God. The people that were silent now took a position. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. None of your enemies will escape this season. In the name of Jesus. Attraction is, 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 is a very interesting um, phenomenon. How does attraction work? Physics tells us that like poles repel. Unlike poles Attract, and if you if you are a student of physical sciences, you understand how matter arranges themselves, and that happens. 
But when it comes to life, there are things you can do to attract things to follow you. I mean, you know what to do to attract flies, don't you? Just go and poo-poo and don't clean up. You attract flies. You're just following. You, you don't need to pray. You don't need to fast. You, they will just come. And as interesting as that is, it is the same in our relationships. There are things, there are two sides to attraction. There are things you do that can attract and there are things you do that can repel on one hand. There are things you do that no matter how much you do it, will not attract. So that's why they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. One person will say, ah, oh, never. Another person will say, this is fantastic. But, we can be deliberate about the things we want to attract into our lives. Whether you're attracting favor from God, you can be deliberate in your family. What are you attracting? What are you attracting in your family? How you behave determines what you attract. For instance, for instance, if you shout Maybe your husband shouts at you and you shout back at him. Guess what you have done? You have attracted something. He's going to stand up to the match. Then what? What happens? So Pastor, he's saying that if he shouts at me, I should keep quiet. Exactly. How can you say that? Are you not a man of God? I am. You know, because... There are certain things that attract certain things in a man. There are certain things that attract certain things in a woman. For instance, if you treat your wife shabbily, then throughout the day, you talk down at her, you treat her shabbily, then at night you are saying, uh, nothing will be attracted. Praise the name of the Lord. Nothing. It will not just work. You say, okay, I am sorry, just forgive me. Have you heard that before? I should just forgive you. Okay, I'm forgiving you. Oh yeah, let's continue now. Continue what? <laughs> there are things you do that repel. There are things you do that attract. There are things you do. I mean, I mean there, there, there are people, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple, and the man has not touched his wife for about three years. Why? Because there are things she does that repel him. Repel him. He needed, to, he needed a huge deliverance. And he got it to the glory of God. And same thing with, with, with God. There, there are things you can do that can attract God. There are things you can do that can attract fire. The story we are read, we read, we just read, shows us how to attract fire. How to attract fire from heaven. Praise the name of the Lord. Ask your neighbor, do you want fire from heaven? 
from verse 26 of that scripture, verse 26, it says, So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar, you know, and they said, Oh, bear, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. There was every priest that is of the devil, that is setting up an altar against you and your destiny, as they call, there will be no reply. There will be no reply of any kind. Any kind. In the name of Jesus. They danced, hobbled. Elijah began to mock them. You have to shout louder. You have to shout louder. He scoffed. Maybe he's a God that is, is going to relieve himself. He's going to the bathroom. But Jehovah is ever present. He's omnipresent. He's a very present help in time of trouble. There, as God controls the universe, he controls everything. And guess what? Jehovah is never busy. Never busy. Never busy. Jehovah controls everything. Yes, it's never busy. There's no, there's no, you know, if you, sometimes you're accessing a server and because there are too many requests, the server is busy. It says, even in network, sometimes it's congested. Everybody wants to talk at the same time. This, you, you dial, they say network busy. Guess what? The network of heaven is never busy. Never busy. It controls the, the stars, the galaxies. It controls everything. Yet, he can listen to the prayer of a little boy. He can listen to the prayer of a little girl. And he controls everything. But the God that they serve, they didn't even know what was going on. In verse 29, 29, it, 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 it goes on to say, they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But still, I was saying still, still there was no sound no reply, no response. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, if your enemy persists, still there will be no sound, Amen. there will be no reply, Amen. there will be no response. Amen. This season, this season, you will silence every opposition. Amen. Every altar that has been effective against you up until now, Beginning from now, there will be no sound. There will be no reply. There will be no response. In the mighty name of Jesus. And with your God, He will give you a sound. He will give you a reply. And He will give you a response. If you go on to verse 30, it says, Elijah called to the people, come over here. You see, the process of building an altar was open. They crowded him as he was building the altar. Basically, with God, all God's people should know how to build an altar. There's no ukus pukus. There's nothing, there's no... Um, Secret. It's not a secret cult. Which is why, as a church, when we come to a period like 
God Renegade service. We don't want you to just show up at God Renegade service. I like. So this is how God, this is how you do. And just be dumbfounded. You don't know what has happened. You don't know how it happened. You don't know how, how to re- regenerate it in your life. You don't know how to recreate it. That can't be God. That is why we go through the process together. We say, come over here. Put up the scripture, please. Come over here again. Let me show you. Let's, we are going to start with daily praise. We, we start, boom, 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 boom. We are building the altar. Boom, 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 boom. Then praise chain. Boom, 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 boom. We are building the altar. Boom, 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 boom. Then daily vigils is starting tomorrow. Praise the name of the Lord. Boom, 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 boom. We are building the altar. Next week Sunday, fire falls from heaven. Boom. You know how to build it. Because we built it together. By the grace of God. With that is God's heart. The veil has been torn. The days are gone. When one strange, mysterious looking guy will come and bamboozle everybody. God wants his people. Praise the name of the Lord. God wants his people to know his operations. So we're going to look at the components, the bull, the stones, the water, and the wood. So let's start by looking at the stones. The first thing he did was gather the stones. In verse 31, verse 31 says, he took 12 stones. One to represent each tribe of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. The stones represent each tribe of Israel. As we are building this altar, there are stones spiritually that are being put together. Now the question is this. When God looks down at this altar, will he see your stone? Will he see a stone representing your family? Your tribe? So what is a stone? Basically, the stone represents our hearts. The stones represent our lives. The seat of our hearts. Of our lives, our hearts. First Peter two five. First Peter two five says, "And you are lively stones. We are lively stones." KJV says, "We are living stones." And NLT says that God is building into a spiritual temple, into a, with, with, into a spiritual altar, a spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices. So where the stones, our hearts. Is your heart into this movement? This altar, this, this, this build-up that is happening, is your heart in it? 
Will God look down from heaven and see that your heart is in it? Where is your heart? And you see, when, when God asked for stones to build the altar, even though it wasn't specified in the scripture, but we, we know that Elijah was, was a man of God, I mean, was sound. God uses what they call unhewn stone, uncut stone. The instruction is the stones must be uncut. You must not use tools on the stone. And the significance of that is this. Tools represent the arm of flesh. Tools represent the work of man. God is saying, come as you are with your heart. Don't go and try and be good first before you come. God says, when you try to be good before you come, your, your righteousness is like, it's like filthy rats. He says, when you come as you are, then I will make you good. Praise the name of the Lord. I will make you good. So the stone is the first component we see in that story. And that is our hearts. When God looks at this altar, will he see your heart? God is expanding his kingdom through us. It's manifesting physically. Even physical land is being expanded to the glory of God. The point is, when he looks at that sacrifice at the altar, will he see your heart? Is it is it a part of it? Where is it? Is it knitted? Where is it? The first component. The second component is the water. Verse 32. Verse 32. It says, Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. <laughs> then he said, very interesting thing. Fill four jars with water and pour the water over the offering. And the and the wood, sorry. And after they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. Everybody say again. And then, they were finished. He said, now do it a third time. What's the significance of this? Huge significance. So they did as he said. Verse 35. And the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. Now, the significance in the water, significance in the number of times, Everything points to Christ. But, but where we are going is this. The water was so much that it filled the whole trenches. What was the value of the trench? The value of the trench basically was when they had the, the altar, they, they would put the trench and they put water around so that the, the fire does not become wild. The water is supposed to like keep the fire in. But in Elijah's case, he said they should pour the water on top of the, the sacrifice. And they should pour. And they should keep pouring. And they should keep pouring. And they should keep pouring. 
if you look at the situation they were in, these people were in a drought. Water was scarce. Water was very scarce. And this man of God is saying, keep pouring water, keep pouring water. Just let us put small around the uh, trenches. He says, pour. He didn't say pour, he said, pour on the sacrifice. Pour on the wood. Pour on the altar. Pour where it doesn't make sense. Just keep wasting resources. Just keep wasting scarce resources. <laughs> God is trying to show us that with God, scarcity never determines the sacrifice and the seed. Never. With God, God does not look at the scarcity and determines what it will do. No, 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 no. God determines what it will do in spite. <laughs> you know, so when Elijah, Elijah was saying, pour water, pour water, I can imagine what he was saying. If it is water you are wasting, okay, I've been looking for grass, not even water. They can't find water. They are looking for grass. If they could find water, they wouldn't be looking for grass, you know. So that they can feed my... Now you are wasting water. <laughs> and God is saying... You want to see the miraculous? You want to attract fire? You know? Like my grandmother used to say that. If you want to eat the honey inside the rock... You will not mind the face of the axe. If you want to eat the honey inside the rock, you will not say, ah, this axe is... You keep striking and keep striking. Praise the name of the Lord. So the third thing we see, the first we see is what? Second is, third is the wood. Verse 33. The wood. I'm going to go pretty fast. The wood. Pile the wood on the altar. Basically, the wood represents, without much ado, fuel. It represents the word. It is it, on the natural. That is what fuels the fire. On the natural. That is what fuels the fire. So they, they should have lit the wood and the wood will fuel the fire and there will be fire as long as there is wood. The same with the word. You cannot be as... The fire you have spiritually, once your word level goes down, your fire goes down. What keeps the fire burning is, is the word level. Is the word level. So we see the number one is the word. Number two. Number three. And number four, the bull. 33, verse 33. So the spirit of he piled the wood on the altar and cut the bull into pieces on the wood. The bull just represents the burnt offering. That is the sacrifice. Every time you want to attract fire from heaven, you have, you need to have something on the altar. Every time, there has to be a sacrifice. Isaac said to um, Abraham, Dad, I can see the fire, I can see the wood. But where is the sacrifice? He didn't know it was the sacrifice. Mm. 
Where is the sacrifice? Because you taught us that to attract fire, Daddy Abraham, that you need a sacrifice on the altar. But where is the sacrifice? So the question to you and I is, what sacrifice are you placing on the altar? What sacrifice are you placing on the altar? I'm like, oh, um, I placed one some years ago. Praise God. And you got fire some years ago. What sacrifice are you placing on the altar? If we look at um, that verse 33, and we see that when he piled the wood on the altar, show the next, the next one, yeah. When he piled the wood on the altar, he cut the bull into pieces and laid the pieces on the He cut the bull into pieces. In other words, the sacrifice became unrecognizable. Every time you give a sacrifice, you know, my, my grandmother would say, again, my grandmother, that when you give somebody a goat, you have to leave the rope. You know, some people, when they give the goat, they, leave, they still hold on to the rope. When you give God a sacrifice, he can cut it anyhow he wants to cut it. And you give God a sacrifice, you're like, oh, why are you cutting it this way? I thought, you, I thought it was a sacrifice. <laughs> oh, God, the last sacrifice I gave you, I was expecting chicken suya. Oh, I was expecting uh, asu, but you did uh, uh, pepper soup. I don't think I want to give you another sacrifice. <laughs> it's foolishness. It's foolishness. It is not sacrifice if you have control over it. It is not sacrifice if you have control over it. It is a sacrifice because you give up control. But very quickly, verse 36. At the usual time for the offering, you know, I've heard people say, oh, in the, in the Old Testament, that's when, you know, God set appointments. That's not true. God does not change. God is God. His character, it doesn't change. If you, it's, it's, God has not become born again in the New Testament. It is we that become born again. Praise the name of the Lord. Listen, there are set times that God we want to do certain things. For instance, on the 8th of October 2017, is a set time that God wants to do the miraculous. It's a set time. It's a set time. John, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. It's a set time. That's the New Testament. There's a set time. There's a time of prayer. They needed to stop what they were doing. Why, why couldn't they continue walking? Maybe they can pray at any time. That's what, that's what New Testament Christians tell us. Of course you can pray at any time. Don't get me wrong. But there's a set time to do certain things that God has set. And if you miss the timing, sorry. Elijah, Elijah was being strategic. He said to them, you, you go first. 
He was waiting for the time. <laughs> he was waiting for the time. He was waiting for the time the fire will come. He said, Since you go first. When it was doing, he checked his time. He said, ah, try again. Keep, keep. Ah, you are not shouting now. This thing is not hearing you. Keep shouting, keep shouting, keep shouting. Praise the name of the Lord. So God has a usual time that he does something. If you're in a relationship with someone, you need to know the person's usual time. There are some people, they just have a usual time that they want to do something. I must say something. <laughs> anyway, let's leave that. Verse 37, 38, 38, 38. Quickly. Immediately, I must say immediately. Now, the, the, the fire of the Lord flashed from heaven. The fire from God will flash from heaven into your situation in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, it will. It will come. In Genesis 22, 7, the story we, we, we alluded to about Isaac and, and Abraham. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, son, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire. We have the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Where is the burnt offering? Now, what am I, what's the key thing here? They had the fire. Usually, you provide your fire when you want to have a burnt offering to God. But in the case of Elijah, God provided the fire himself. On Sunday, the 8th of October, God will provide the fire himself. In the mighty name of Jesus. He says, my father, where is the fire? And if you check that same verse 38, it says, immediately, immediately, the fire, immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed from heaven. As you call upon God, God will answer you immediately. In the mighty name of Jesus. The, the response, you see, God works with us instantly. I was say instantly. Silently, I was say silently. And completely, I was say completely. Completely. The fire will be instant. And a lot of us, you've had up until this season, you've had delays. You've had delays. You've had delays. If you will receive it this morning, God is saying to you today, my daughter, no more delays. My son, no more delays. Immediately the fire, immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burnt up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust, even licked up all the water. <laughs> not, not only the sacrifice was consumed, the altar was consumed also. And everything around the altar was also consumed. Not only the sacrifice. You know why? The whole altar and everything on it was received by heaven as the sacrifice. Uh, uh, you didn't get that. 
Okay, take a picture of the screen quickly, quickly, so I can explain it to you, so you can get it. <laughs> you know, usually, God will accept the sacrifice. But in this case, because the stones were sacrificial, it's a lively stone in our case. The wood was sacrificial. The water was cast, was sacrificial. The lamb, the bull was sacrificial. Everything on the altar, including the altar, was the sacrifice. This season, everything in God's favorite house will be consumed by fire yeah. from heaven. Yeah. The fire of God. Now, I mean, it's about like, yeah. Pastor, is that a good prayer? Yes, now. Don't you want the fire of God to consume you? The fire of God is going to come. Some of us, we are going to, obviously, a PTL, we are going to give financial sacrifices that we are going to place on the altar. The fire of God is going to consume it and receive it. But guess what? It's going to now come into your own life. Not just take the sacrifice. It's now going to come into your family. It's going to come into your business. It's going to consume the physical place. Even this dust of this ground will heal the sick. You know, I know New Testament folks who say, oh, you know, the physical place is not important. You know, it's not as important, I agree. But you see, when God places a hand on a location, his hand is on that location. God's hand is upon God's favorite house. As a people, and by extension, the place we gather. Praise the name of the Lord. So come Sunday, the 8th of October, the blind will see. The lame will walk. The impossible will become possible. Doors that have been shut will open. Things that have been delayed will be released. The God of creation will recreate what needs to be recreated in the mighty name of Jesus. And in verse 40, finally, and Elijah seized all. Everybody say all. All. The prophets of Baal. He says, don't let a single one escape. By the time we are done, all the prophets of Baal that are represented in your life, all of them will be arrested. None will escape. In the name of Jesus. But as, as verse 39 tells us, that the fire of God always draws people's hearts to him. He says, when the fire fall and it fell and the people saw it, they fell on their face and they cried, the Lord is God. The fire of God always brings people closer to God. Always brings people closer to God. Always. So what we have Baal and we have Jehovah in our lives, the things you are facing are unknown to you, many, many cases 
many of the situations, it's just the battle of gods. It's the battle of gods. Some of us, we've been dedicated to strange things. Strange things. You know, I mean, our friends in the Western world don't understand this aspect of spiritual warfare. You know? <laughs> I'll say to Ms. Shumwe that we need to send her back to the UK. You know? Uh, she was saying that uh, <coughs> I was sharing an experience this morning. You know? Ah, do we have time for it? Okay, let me just share it. You know? Two Sundays ago, last Sunday, I can't remember, I was, I was praying for service. So, I was replacing my house. I was outside. It was obviously past midnight. And I was, I lost consciousness of, of my environment. You know? And um, after a while, I, I opened my eyes. And about 20 meters away from me sat an owl with big eyes staring at me like that, you know? And I looked at the thing, you know, and just ignored it and, and continued to pray. And about five, ten minutes, stay there. Then it flew off. So we're saying that a lot of, most people will have, we say, I plead the blood of Jesus. Or I bind you in Jesus' name. Or they have come again from the village. You know, I've been sure was saying that, you know, it's, it's because of how we see the owl. Uh, and I was saying that, ah, uh, this is Africa. <laughs> Come bear. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> Even though that particular owl, was, there was nothing to it. I was the one that should be sleeping. It, it was their time to be roaming, right? I chose to be outside. Hey, anything I see now. I should be, <laughs> I should accept it. But the key thing is this. There are contentions in many cases and there are gods behind it. And every god that is not Jehovah on your case will bow. Amen. The god of creation will bring them to their knees Amen. in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. That's why the Jews busted out in song in Exodus 15. Who is like unto you, O oh God? Among the gods, who is like you? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Hallelujah. Who is like unto thee, O Father, you are glorious in holiness. You 
Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. 